Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features, get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book Good Economics for Hard Times, Better Answers to Our Biggest Problems. Back in 2011, Professor Zhang Weiwei from the Geneva School of Diplomacy and International Relations proposed a brand new political viewpoint in his book The China Shock, perhaps we should stop thinking in terms of crude and outdated concepts such as democracy and authoritarianism, and instead think in terms of good and bad politics. Good politics refers to the kind that raises the overall quality of the life and happiness of the citizens, whereas bad politics does the opposite. In the 2019 book Good Economics for Hard Times, Drs. Obajit V. Banerjee and Esther Duflo put forward a similar stance. They suggest that we abandon our bad GDP-centered economics in favor of an academic discipline that puts human dignity back at the forefront, or in other words good economics that can improve the quality of life and well-being of our citizens. In the modern world, the problems brought about by inequality, globalization, and slow economic growth are ever-present, and we need to find better solutions to deal with them in these troubled times. Historically, economists have been tasked with helping us to overcome tough times. But the plight of today's economists may be more precarious than ever, because the public no longer has trust in them. One British survey asked respondents, from the following list of professionals, who do you trust most when they are giving their expert opinion? Nurses topped the poll with 84% of the vote, while politicians came in last at just 5%. And how did economists do? Getting a mere 25% of the votes, they placed only slightly higher than politicians. In the United States, classically trained economists have a vastly different way of thinking compared to the average American. A study invited some economists and 1,000 laypeople to answer the same 20 questions, and found that on average, 35% of the general population disagree with the economists on each issue. Worse still, even telling people in advance what economists think about an issue does little to change their original opinion. From these findings, it can be concluded that Americans tend to reject economists' views in regards to the economy. One of the main reasons for this phenomenon is frequent media reports about pseudo-economists, which have damaged the credibility of the profession. Many academic economists are reluctant to take on the thankless job of correcting misconceptions and educating the public. Fortunately, Drs. Banerjee and Duflo have stepped up to make plain the results of good economic research, helping us to gain a better understanding of the challenges of their field. It goes without saying that economics is a highly complex system with a lot of uncertainty. This makes the job of economists similar to the development of new drugs, a good economist can never be 100% sure that they have mastered the truth. Rather, once they have reasonable confidence in their hypothesis, they put it to the test and gather feedback from the empirical results, this allows them to refine their original idea and approach a viable solution step by step. The key here is to obtain a viable solution, not the right one or a flawless one. In this bookie, we will introduce the book in three parts. Part 1, The Problem of Immigration. Part 2, The Problem of Trade. Part 3, 
the problem of growth. Let's begin the first part by looking at the problem of immigration. In 2019, then-President Donald Trump began building a border wall between the United States and Mexico to keep out illegal immigrants. Several years before that, the media reported unceasingly on the European refugee crisis. The reports on the Zimbabwe refugees in South Africa, the Rohingya crisis in Bangladesh, and many other mass immigration movements, all created the illusion of a serious refugee problem that would throw the world into chaos if we allowed it to continue unchecked. The authors of this book point out that the refugee and immigration problems aren't as dire as they seem. Based on statistical data in 2017, the percentage of immigrants worldwide was nearly the same as in 1960 or in 1990, around 3%. Most of these migrants made the move legally by finding a job abroad or taking refuge with relatives living in the country. The European Union did see a large influx of refugees between 2015 and 2016, however, this was a rare exception rather than the norm. As of 2018, the number of asylum seekers in the EU had fallen to 638,000, among which only 38% had been granted entry, hardly a wave of refugees. However, Residents of the destination countries often overestimate the number and proportion of migrants in their country. While only around 10% of the Italian population is made up of immigrants, a survey found that Italians on average believe this number to be around 26%. In addition, they also severely overestimate the percentage of Muslims and unemployed immigrants. One reason for this bias is a popular economic misconception that the world is full of poor people, and these people will go anywhere as long as there is money to be made. The idea is that poor people will flock to places with higher wages, causing the average wage in the area to be dragged down, affecting the lives of the locals living there. This misconception is so appealing because it suits the theory of supply and demand which most of us are familiar with, people want to make more money, so no matter where it may be, as long as there are higher wages, it will continue to attract more and more people. And as the supply of labor increases, the average salary drops. The migrants will benefit from this trend, while the local workers will suffer. Doctors Banerjee and Duflo however claim that the theory of supply and demand is not always right, because it fails to account for the people's stickiness. The fact is that people have a natural tendency to stick to their hometowns. Think about it, if everyone in the world obeyed the logic of supply and demand, then all the poor people will choose to migrate, leaving the poorer countries empty and the wealthier countries bursting at the seams. But in reality, this is hardly the case. The vast majority of people choose not to leave their native lands even when they have the option to do so because the costs and risks of uncertainty are too high. One study in Nepal found that even in years of severely low crop yields, few Nepalese choose to leave the country. Only in war-torn and politically unstable nations such as Iraq, Syria, Guatemala, and Yemen do citizens desperately want to migrate. In such cases, they are motivated by personal safety rather than by wealth. The citizens of third world countries are not the only ones who choose to stay put in the face of poverty. Between 2010 and 2015, Greece was deep in the throes of an economic crisis, which hit the country hard. 
But even during this period, only about 350,000 people or 3% of the population moved abroad to seek better economic conditions. Despite a staggering unemployment rate of 27%, the vast majority of the population chose not to immigrate. Doctors Banerjee and Uflo believe that stickiness is the core reason behind the low proportion of immigrants. The stickiness effect forms the theoretical basis for many of the author's ideas throughout the book and can be found in almost every economic topic discussed. Doctors Banerjee and Uflo point out that due to a sticky nature and the fact we are unwilling to move easily, many theories in mainstream economics are untenable. Some examples of such mainstream theories include the homo economicus or economic human, supply and demand, comparative advantage, and even the invisible hand, a core concept of capitalism. Therefore, it's not hard to see why mainstream economists have failed to make any groundbreaking discoveries, as their research seems to be based on such shoddy foundations. Returning to the topic of immigration, Doctors Banerjee and Duflo observe that migrants including low-skilled workers are not as frightening as people tend to think. In fact, they can bring many benefits to their destination countries. The first benefit is that they raise demand for goods and services in their adopted homelands. New immigrants need food, haircuts, and daily necessities, all of which in turn create jobs. This helps to reduce the impact of changes in labor supply due to migration. The second more subtle benefit is that low-skilled immigrants slow down the process of automation, the increased labor supply from these newcomers means that there is less incentive for companies to replace workers with machines. Which is bound to benefit the majority of the local population. For example, in California in December 1964, a large number of seasonal farm workers from Mexico were deported on the grounds that they held down wages for local workers. After the mass exodus, however, many farms in the region became fully mechanized. Within a short span of three years, the utilization rate of the combine harvester shot up from 0 to 100 percent. In order to facilitate mechanization, some farmers even stopped growing crops like asparagus, strawberries, and lettuce which cannot be mechanically harvested. It was an unexpected blow to the local population. The third benefit is that the arrival of low-skilled immigrants can improve the professional standing of the local workers. Migrants tend to take on simple jobs that don't require a lot of communication as well as dirty, dangerous, and demeaning work that locals are reluctant to do. Since local workers are more familiar with the language and culture of the area, they can turn to better paid jobs that involve less physical labor. Therefore, the relationship between migrants and locals is complementary instead of competitive, and immigration can actually boost the local economy. Migration brings another key potential benefit for the locals, some migrants are entrepreneurs, which means that they can create more and better jobs in their destination countries. There are often strict eligibility requirements for various types of immigration, and it can be said that immigrants often have a strong entrepreneurial spirit. Among the 2017 Fortune 500 list of U.S. companies, around 43% were founded or co-founded by immigrants or their descendants. This concludes Part 1, The Problem of Immigration. Let's review. 
Media reports have misled people into thinking that immigration has many negative effects on destination countries. In truth, the scope of migration is much smaller than most of us are led to believe. This is because we are all bound by stickiness, and very few of us are willing to leave our homelands and venture out into the unknown. While immigration does cause certain problems, it can also bring many benefits, it is not simply a zero-sum game of immigrants competing with the locals for a slice of the cake. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play, get your free mind snack now.